You are listening to the Men That Win podcast from Eagle Nazarene Church, a church beyond our walls. So I'd like to introduce my friend Zach Hepworth. Come on up, Zach. And he's going to talk to us about his involvement in Wipe Every Tear ministry. Uh, Zach and I have been friends for six years. We met over at Capital Christian Center. He uh, served us a lot of coffee when we had our little girls uh, when they were one and two, and we were just trying to trying to survive the twin stage, the early twin stage, and, and uh, he's a man of God. He is married to an awesome woman, um, E.B., who is flying over to the Philippines right now as we speak. She's in the Philippines as we speak, and she's going to be working with her ministry. She kind of helped co-found that, is that correct? Um, well, first she is. Okay, first worker for the United States. So Zach's going to get into that. I'm going to let him explain it because he's a lot better at it than I am. But uh, please welcome Zach and uh, just appreciate his friendship and thanks for being thanks, here, Steve. bro. Thanks, brother. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Steve, for setting this up and thank you, Pastor Ed, for letting me uh, come in this building. I could wreck this whole thing. Um, I know that I'm on podcast now. I'm a little nervous, so hopefully I say all the right things as I'm up here. But anyways, I'm Zach Hepworth. Um, as he uh, just said, my wife, E.B. Hepworth, we both are a part of an organization called Wipe Every Tear. And um, I'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, she was one of the, or the first employee for the United States for Wipe Every Tear. Has an awesome mission, and I'm stoked to talk about it. Well, hey, I am, I'm excited to be with you guys. Um, man, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. God is good. I am so glad that we serve a gracious and loving God, a God that is so merciful and so willing to walk with us through life. Um, That has really been kind of just my testament is that God has been patient and kind with me and walked me along through this journey. Um, And uh, it always is something that uh, gets me excited when I'm sharing at any place or just talking about life is uh, that his kingdom, his kingdom is here, that his spirit is here, that his spirit never leaves us nor forsakes us, that it guides us, that it challenges us, that it grows us, that it keeps us alive, that it keeps us men that win. I mean, the spirit of God is here this morning. The spirit of God is in us and dwelling with us. Um, one of the verses I wanted to share really quick as we jump into this before I talk about wipe every tear and what we do is in 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's talking about sexual immorality. And it's talking about the body. And uh, this is very relevant in the mission field that I'm in. But in 1 Corinthians 6, let's go up to uh, 13. He says, Paul's talking, Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. It is really interesting. Um, I mean, I've read that verse a few times, but I've never read it in the context that I've currently been in um, on mission, which is what leads me to uh, wipe every tear. So wipe every tear, if you see the slide behind you, is uh, an organization that is dealing with human sex trafficking. Is that back up there? Okay, cool. Uh, Human sex trafficking. So when it comes to 
sexual immorality in the body, this is a very at-home topic, right? Um, and, and I kind of I kinda have up here a brief overview on the slide to talk to you guys about what human sex trafficking is. Um, I don't want to assume that we're all incredibly informed on what it is, and we may all have some misnomers about what it is. Uh, it's a very, very wide scope. It looks like a lot of different things. It's not just, I think, what a lot of people think is like Liam Neeson in Taken, where someone comes up, grabs the kid, grabs a girl, runs off, and then the kid's never seen again. That's a small percentage of what human trafficking really is, uh, but it does look like that to some degree. So what, what is it? Well, trafficking is all acts involved in recruitment, abduction, or transport of another human. Simply said, it is exploiting the vulnerable. Now, this this is this is something uh, this is something that that we should care about, not just in a sense of like thought and awareness. This is something, especially with the heritage and the lineage we have in here as Christians, people that have been adopted into the family of God, people that have been redeemed, right? We've been redeemed. And I think that there's a beauty in redemption. And one of the things that we know about the Father, one of the things we know about God the Father, is anytime he does something for us, he doesn't do it just for us. He does it as a testimony of what he wants to do for everyone else. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world, it wasn't just us, you know. So why should we care? Well, as Christians, I think that, you know, we should care because we're redeemed. We're simply redeemed, you know. And so this is something that should move us to action. You know, the the fact that this is going on um, is, I mean, it's crazy. We, We live in this world, this world is broken, um, but, but there's hope in what the Lord is doing. Uh, so why, why should we care? As, uh, as Christians, we should care because we're redeemed and also because there's you know, no questions asked. It's definitely not okay. But if, if we're encouraging human trafficking, um, it is also physically damaging to the people that are involved. Many of these women who are uh, in, in the bars or being trafficked, they're being forced to have unprotected sex, which is promoting HIVs, AIDS, all sorts of sexually transmitted diseases. And um, that is damaging to not only those women's bodies, but anybody who is involved in that. Third thing, empathy. Empathy is healthy. Empathy is what keeps us connected as a people being empathetic towards other people's situations. And this is something that, um, you know, we constantly see in the Bible is people reaching out to the lost or people reaching out to those who are broken and needy. You know, that's something that is really a heart cry of wipe every tear, is reaching out to those who are broken and those who are in need. Um, when this, this is something uh, a buddy of mine actually kind of put into perspective for me, and I have it written up here. I have it written that it's a radical social disease, right? Um, he is one of the presidents of a, a rotary club here in uh, Boise, and him and I were talking, and he wanted us to come in and do a presentation uh, at, their, at their club. 
And as we're kind of talking, he was talking about how Rotary is really into, uh, you know, helping cure disease and helping, you know, cure sickness. They had this big push for polio and things like that. And as we're talking, he looks at me and says, Zach, this really is a disease. He's like, this is one of the worst diseases I've ever seen. This is a social disease, which just brings me to this, this point that as we think about human trafficking and what human trafficking is, and we think about uh, the context of it, let's think about it in the sense of it being a social disease. It is like a cancer, you know. Cancer gets into the body and destroys the internal organs, destroys the integrity of the body. So this sex trafficking and sexual exploitation, this is destroying the body of society. And of course, it is absolutely a global issue. Um, it's crazy. It's happening in Boise. It's happening in the Philippines. It's happening in New York. It's happening in California. It's happening in Indonesia. It's happening everywhere. And uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy that uh, even myself, I think about my own story, that I had no idea that this was going on around me. Like, I was, I was living, you know, day to day, just, you know, thinking, thinking uh, that none of this was going on. Um, and even in just, like, the sense of, you know, prostitution, you know, I thought that prostitution was this choice that these women were making and that they were kind of, like, signing up for the whole thing. Like, yeah, like, I just want to go sell my, you know, my body for money. Um, that sounds good. But the more and more I've become educated on this and the more and more I've met women who have been prostituted, by the way, with Wipe Every Tear, we never refer to the women in our care as prostitutes, ever. We never would label them as a prostitute. I mean, how could you call a girl that is 12 years old who is taken from her family by manipulation, coercion, false, a false offering, or you know, just was somehow tricked into this, 12 years old, who then grows up and you meet her when she's 20 years old, call her a prostitute. It's, it's kind of non-negotiable. She came into this thing by way of not her own will, manipulation, or out of extreme need. So... Um, Back to the point, we call them women who are being prostituted, right? And that's something I kind of want, want to touch on today um, is just as we're, as we're out and even as believers and we're having these conversations as, as men that win, I think this is a big win if we can get the right perspective about these women who are being trafficked. That's a huge win. That's a huge win because we're out talking to other men in society, in our respective job places, in our respective spheres of influence. Um, and there's a narrative going on in the world right now. And as Christians, we've always had a heritage of helping to spin the right narrative, right? We're, we're, we're upholding the word of God. We're upholding, I mean, even as Paul says, don't you know, like, you're going to judge angels. Shouldn't you guys all know how to make right judgment? You're going to judge angels. Like, can't we... You know, can't we all do this together? So it's a huge win if we can get the right narrative going about uh, these, these women. Because 
we're not here to, you know, we're not here to domineer over anyone. We're not here to rule over anyone as men, which is a very, very common narrative. We're here to serve as men, as Christian men, as men who have been redeemed. And a very, very good way we can serve is by not looking at these women and calling them prostitutes. That's huge. If we can understand where they're coming from, empathy, step into their position and realize that they don't want to be there even as much as they'll tell you and smile and say, I want to be there if you had a conversation with one of them. That's a mechanism of survival. The brain is brilliant. The brain will create its own world and its own space to survive. What, what they've come to realize is that women who have been through sexual trafficking and men or women who have served in the military who experience PTSD, equal level of PTSD. So you can see that the brain is experiencing something very traumatic. Um, so anyways, yes, it's, it's in, we, we look at them and we say they are redeemed. They are lovely daughters. They are lovely women of the Lord. And that might be, that might be challenging uh, for some of you today. That might be hard to see that. But to understand your own sin and to understand your own brokenness is to be able to empathize with those who are broken and those who are in need. And these women are desperately in need. So I guess I should now make a quick intro about Wipe Every Tear. So Wipe Every Tear is an organization that was founded out of Boise, Idaho to the Philippines in Southeast Asia to help women come out of the sex trade. We bring freedom, hope, and a future to those women. What we do at Wipe Every Tear is we go out onto this street called the Walking Street. Now, this is crazy. I just had this revelation this last trip. We focus only on one street as an organization. And Pastor has been to that street. He's seen it. He's heard the sounds there. He's shook the hands of these, these women that we uh, reach out to. But we focus on one street. And that hit me because... I mean, Manila is one of the most densely populated cities in the world, if not the. And we focus on a single street there. Now, let me tell you why we focus on one street. This single street is responsible for the selling of 15,000 women. 15,000 on one, on one street. I have a slide in here somewhere. Oh, this is, a, this is an interesting one. I'll talk about that. In, well, let's talk about that really quick. This, this is an interesting fact. So sex trafficking is a $32 billion industry. Now, I put all these moguls on the side. Elon Musk, Robert Kraft, George Lucas, Eric Schmidt. Reed Hoffman. That's all their net worth. So all, all of their wealth added up, and you, you look at these guys and you see all the things that they're doing, like as individuals, 
I mean, they have their hands in just about everything. It takes all of their net worth to equivalent to one year in the, the sex trade, what, what that's generating. That's crazy. That's a pretty well-oiled machine, I would say. They're making $32 billion a year. But I want to go to uh, this other slide I have. So, boom. That's our Taco Bell arena right there. We've all been there. We've all seen a game. Their maximum capacity right now is 14,480. So just, uh, just shy of the amount of women that are on that single street. This is just a visual to get some perspective. Um, but yeah, so we focus on this one street in the Philippines. And um, we, go down to these, we go down to these bars and we make relationships with these women. With these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful women who are just like your daughters who are just like your sisters, who are just like your wives, who are just like your niece. They all have dreams. They have aspirations. God created them. God foreknew them and knitted them in their mother's womb before the foundations of the earth, right? These girls, we go down there and we make relationships with them. And you know what we find out? Ten times out of ten, they don't want to be there. They don't want to be in these bars. They don't want to be working with these men, which are European, Australian, and American men that are going over there, which is like really anti-American you know, American in a sense, to go and take advantage of the vulnerable. We're supposed to come to the protection and aid of the vulnerable as an American people. So... We go down there, we meet them, and we talk with them, and we find out they have dreams. We find out they have aspirations. We find out that they were robbed at a young age. They were coerced or manipulated at a young age, and they ended up where they ended up. And now, that's their world. That's their worldview. I mean, I'm sure that each one of you had a mentor or a father or somebody that stepped into your world and created it and made it a little bit bigger, gave you some perspective, pointed out something in you that they saw that helped you synthesize what you were good at in life, helped you understand your gifts, helped you understand your strengths, right? So we all need that. They need that too. We find out they have a dream. So they say they want to be a cook, right? We figure out, okay, how can we make you the best cook? Let's do that. Hey, guess what? We have, as Wipe Every Tear, we have facilities that we want to bring you in. So this is our outreach, right? We want to bring you in. We're going to pay for your housing. We want to pay for your schooling, if that's what it takes. We want to pay for your transportation, your dental, your medical. We want to pay for everything. We basically want to say, like, you're our child now. Like, you're, you're our kids. Like, we'll take care of you. Not that we look at it like that practically, but from a, from a standpoint of getting them to where they want to go, just like any of you would look at it, you want, to, you want to put your son or your daughter in the best position to succeed. So that's what we want to do with them. And that's what we do as an organization. We go down there to the street. We make relationships. We find out what their dream is. We believe in them. We become an advocate for them. And we get them on the path to success or 
strength in uh, career, family, etc. So currently, we, uh, we have about 70 women in our facilities. We have two different houses because one just, one just flooded. Um, in the Philippines, a little minor um, piping problem can go pretty crazy pretty quick. So one of the houses just basically flooded and uh, had to move out of the house. So there's, I think right now, like 40 girls crammed into one house while we're, they're Filipinas though, so they're really small. So they can, you know, really fit a ton in one room and they love to be really close. They're really like familiar. So even when we had like four houses, they're like, why do we, why can we, can we just have three? Like, can we all be together? They want to be in like a community. So it's kind of, kind of funny. But uh, we're working on getting another house right now. But anyways, we have we have about 70 women who are who've come off of this street now and who are seeking their dreams and seeking their goals and they're catching on fire with the hope of the gospel, which is really the ultimate, right? I mean, you've got mental health, emotional health, like just health in your resources and finances. And then you have the, like, the pinnacle, which is spiritual health, you know? And these women are really experiencing this, and it's phenomenal to see these women come to us and start sharing a word with us or to prophesy over us or to encourage us with the word. It's, it's phenomenal. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen, to see a woman who was formerly being sold in a bar come out of the bar praising the Lord and then encouraging a community. And so you have what, what you have now is what you see when Jesus healed somebody. You see Jesus heal a leper. You see Jesus, you know, give the, the guy who is a demoniac his mind back. And what happens? They want to go back. They want to go into where they came from. They want to go back to the people that knew them. They want to tell people what happened because they can't keep their mouths shut. And really, like, I feel that, uh, that, that little segment for the men in this room right now is like, I think God is doing something in us right now and God wants to do something in us that's going to cause us to not be able to keep our mouths shut. We have to speak. We have to talk. We have to share. And that's what passion and being alive really means. And if, if you don't have that in your life, then you aren't experiencing life. You aren't experiencing life and life more abundant, that's for sure, because he gives us something that we can't help but share. And that's what's happening to these women. They're getting something that they can't help but share. They're asking us, can we go, can we go back down to the bars? Can we go do outreach with you guys? Can we go tell our sisters we please go tell our sisters? We have to tell our sisters. So now we have two girls every, like, American group. And they go out and they, they lead and translate. And they go into the bars with you and help communicate. It's, I mean, it's, it's such, it's such a, a beautiful process. And it's way more believable when you have a woman who's literally saying, look, this is my old bar ID to her sister who's sitting there. This is my old bar ID. 
I used to work here. Now I'm going to school and she picks up her phone and scrolls through and shows her her uniform and her computer. And it's really, it's really simple, practical stuff, but it's profound what, what God does in it and what, how he moves and, and touches the hearts of these, these women. So, and that's what I believe as, as wipe every tear, we believe that the body is not for sexual immorality. We believe that the body is for the Lord. We believe that the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And uh, how, how much time do it? And that's, that's something we really believe is the redemption of the mind and the soul and the body. I believe it's absolutely biblical. Um, and, uh, yeah, so be praying with us. Be thinking about this. Uh, be going to bat with us in the, in the spirit, you know. As, as the Lord reminds you, I know that you guys all have a lot of things that you guys are involved with and, and that's the, that's the beauty of the body is that there's so many different ways that, you know, we're all involved in bringing healing um, to, the, uh, to the earth, bringing healing to the sex trade. And we can all do it in different ways, uh, bringing healing to brokenness in families, bringing, you know, healing to uh, insecurity, whatever it is, we're all, we're all involved in this. But um, one of the things that uh, is really interesting in this battle and this is another big win, right, for men. If we can do this, we can win in this fight particularly. Well, also in, you know, broken families and insecurities. And it's funny how they all kind of all circle back around to, to similar things. But uh, the topic of pornography. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this because I think, you know, everyone in here or anyone in here is viewing pornography, but... I need to talk about this because this is something that is a huge fueler to the sex trade. So why are a lot of these women, why is there a huge demand, right? We know simple economics, supply and demand. So if there's a huge demand, then you've got to get a big supply. Why, why is there such a demand? There's a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons is... Uh, Pornography, let's go back to this. And this will talk about, we'll talk about the gates of entry. How do people get there? But one of the, one of the things is uh, pornography. It's a huge fueler. A lot of people want to think because it's on a screen and they're here that it doesn't affect anybody else. Like that there's no effect to it. It's just a personal, you know, kind of... Uh, it's, it's, it's my time, it's my thing, like, it's no big deal. Uh, but what you, fi- what you find out is you dig deeper and you dig deeper and you dig deeper, read more, find more of the case studies, and you guys can go look this up, you'll find out that a lot of these women who are in these pornographic videos are being trafficked. They're being exploited. I just actually read an article yesterday, a buddy of mine sent it to me, and it was about uh, pedophilia in Hollywood. And this is uncomfortable stuff, I understand, but this is the reality of things that are going on. 
and it talked about how they build shame bonds. And this is a huge thing uh, in this particular mission field, a shame bond. What a shame bond is is simply this. It's, it's either a sexual act is committed upon somebody who's young or vulnerable, and then it's held over their head as like, hey, we've got this on you. It's, it's either that or it's recorded or they're taking a picture of it, and this is where the whole pornography thing ties in. And then they say, look, we've got this evidence, like you're in a very compromised situation. If you don't continue to do as we ask, we will broadcast this, right? And you can think, uh, even if you were 20 years old or 21 years old or 25 years old and you were in that situation, it would still be really hard to navigate what to do. How much more difficult for somebody who is, you know, 12, 13 years old to try and navigate all those feelings and navigate and negotiate what's going on right now, right? So <clears throat> a lot of people end up in, you know, pornography with, from cases like that. Um, and it's, it's building this demand in the hearts of men. Pornography is a heart issue. You know, we know as a Christian people, what does Jesus say? He said it's not adultery just to go physically sleep with a woman. It's adultery to lust after that woman in your heart. To go view that woman. You know, so, so we know that from, from our perspective. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's this, it's this thought, it's this dream, it's this idea, it's this notion, it's this narrative that's being turned and uh, grown in the hearts of men. And this is where it comes full circle, is because after a while, just thinking about it and just seeing it, hearing it, it's just not enough. Pornography is not enough. It's never enough, you know. We, we know the heart and the eyes, they're, they're never satisfied. And that's why we have the Spirit of God to keep us in check. That's why we have the Spirit of God to guide us and satiate our desires. But some people are completely deprived of that Spirit. And as Paul so eloquently explains, are slaves to sin. They can't help but to move in their, own say, in their own pleasure, what they want to do. So that's where places like the Philippines come into play. You have this entire industry, $32 billion a year industry, that is designed to give men and, and women, I, don't, I just think it's a very, very low percentage, but men a sex tourist vacation, Right? So all of a sudden, all those, you know, dreams and desires in the heart now has a place where that can be enacted. And that's where the pornography thing really, really, really fuels this entire uh, machine, you know. So it's, uh, it's a big win for us as men to be able to be rightly educated about those topics and to understand how they're affecting people, not just because, like, we need the education in our personal lives, but, hey, 
We're men. We know other men, you know. And this is something that men struggle with. Like, this is something that all men have been presented the opportunity to view pornography or be around pornography. I mean, for goodness sakes, like, it's, it's just everywhere. So to understand rightly what it's fueling and what it's a part of is, is a huge win. It's a huge win. Um, let's see. Oh, man, this, this, is, this is something I wrote down because I didn't want to forget. Um, this, this, th- this threw me off the first time I heard it, but it's so cool. Some of these women, when we go into the bars, they'll say, I'm a Christian too. That's super hard to like understand or navigate like I'm I'm a Christian I love the Lord and you know from my seat like growing up here living here and not understanding anything about where they're coming from my first thought's like you are like what are you doing here you know (laughs) it doesn't really I can't reconcile the two like you're a Christian but you're in this bar here and like there's a customer like I'm I'm confused but what I've come to find out is like for some of these women it's it's a matter of eat or not eat right it's a matter of like skip meals and live on the street or work in these bars so you have these women who will say things like we've been praying for you We've been praying that you guys would come. And this is before they even come in our care. But they're, they're praying. Their heart is like crying out um, for uh, people to come and present an opportunity for them to leave. They don't want to be there again to the point. They don't want to be in the situation that they're in. Um, it's, just, it's just absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> One time... And this is, we, we experience some very supernatural things in our ministry and what we're seeing. I believe that where there's a very big need and a very desperate need, God shows up greatly. And I think, even in our own lives, I think one of the reasons why we tend to not feel alive is because we build these little worlds that we don't have that much need. So I don't think it's possessions that, keeps us from feeling alive. I think it's that we kind of close the gates and we get our whole world figured out and we just kind of chill. And it's just, it's very sterile, you know? And we realize we don't have that, you know, not need, like I got everything I need. But if we keep pressing forward as people, we find out that there's more and more and more that we need. And if we put ourselves in situations where we need God, then he really, really shows up. And so we've seen some miraculous things in that, in that vein, in that principle. Like there's been situations where um, one of our team members has walked in, you know, walked in a bar, and the girl says, that, that ends up leaving and coming to our facility, says, when you walked in, when you walked in the bar, I just saw this like imminent light within you. 
Like I saw the Lord. Like I saw Jesus. I saw God. I, however they articulate that, right? They, they felt it. They saw it. They knew it. You know, we, we see with our eyes of understanding, not with our physical eyes all the time. We have two sets of eyes, right? God gave us two sets of eyes. And so they, they see that God is, is in, you know, the people that are coming to reach out to them. I think that's phenomenal. I, I think there's something to be said about how big God is in all of that and how he can just work in, in just miraculous ways. He, it doesn't have to be so straightforward all the time. It can be very creative. So we get to see amazing stuff like that all the time. Um, to, to loop back to something uh, more factual and uh, a, a to B is the gates of entry. How, how, are, like, how are some of these people getting into the, the sex trade? Abduction, prostitution, poverty, pornography, and recruiting. All of those are ways that people are ending up in the sex trade. Let me know if, you know, if this is something that was you know, hit home. I'll just, I'm going to be staying here afterwards. Connect with me and I'll give you my contact information.